Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Eric. How are you, sir? Oh, it is great to be back with you. It's been too long. I think somebody's been on vacation, but not me. I don't. I don't know if you guys get a chance to oh, go. Oh, don't vacation you go there? Yeah, it's I know. Fourth right? of July weekend. It was a it, great weekend. It was a great weekend. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but we're we're back in the studio, ready to go, and you have brought a guest on, and that is Keith Jacobson. Keith is the founder of International Coin Alliance, which I'm extremely excited. I actually. Do some coin roll hunting. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, uh, John and Michael, but uh, have you heard of coin mm-hmm. roll hunting? I have. Have you? Okay, see, my mom is, uh, you know, it's a little hard for her to get around. She used to like to metal detect, and since she has mobility stuff, I found out about coin roll hunting, so we've done that together many times, and uh, yeah. it was just fun. But yeah, so I'm really excited about your guest. Why don't you do the, the full intro, because that's all I know so far. Hi. Welcome, Keith. Pleasure Thank to have you. Thank you, John. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure to I be here. A little background: How I met Keith. Um, I attended a uh, investment seminar in New York, uh, and I was one of the attendees. and And uh, Keith was uh, one of the supporting vendors of the affair. And uh, we we struck up a wonderful conversation about coins and collectibles and things that uh, most people are not familiar with. And and it's an investment strategy that. Uh, people look at, and, and a lot of people aren't real clear what it is. So I said, you know what, let's get Keith on a podcast and give a little history of, you know, coin collecting. And, you know, it's been around for a lot of years, obviously. But maybe you give a little history on coin collecting, why it's attractive to a lot of a lot of folks that do invest into it. Matter of fact, a lot of folks get very excited about coin collecting. Uh, matter of fact, full disclosure, I buy coins from Keith. Keith is my coin guy. Is that good, Keith? You're my coin guy. <laughs> I'm the coin uh, guy. And uh, he's helped educate me on different um, investment options in that world. So I'm just going to transfer it over to Keith. And Keith, why don't you give a little bit of your background, you know, how long you've been in the industry, and, and let's jump into, you know, the history of coins and, and how, how clients could potentially look at that as a part of their investment portfolio. Well, I'm happy to do that, John. And thanks again for having me on today. Um, I've been in this business for over a quarter of a century. Uh, I got into it by accident, and I'm so glad that I did. I absolutely love what I do. Uh, They told me if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life, and that's been my experience. Um, The the number one advantage to most of our clients, if you're going to invest in collectible coins as opposed to bullion coins, um, it is a completely private transaction. Um, we are not required to report any sale whatsoever to any government agency, whether you buy $1,000 worth of collectible coins or $100,000, nothing gets reported completely private. A lot of our clients find that extremely attractive. Um, And because it is a private transaction and you actually take delivery on the coins, we don't store them in an offshore vault that may or may not exist. Uh, You take delivery on them and that makes them transferable. A lot of our clients want to do something for their kids or their grandkids or the niece or the nephew. Uh, you can do whatever you want with the coins. You can gift them to anybody or, or bury them in the backyard if you want. We've had a few Y2K people that decided they wanted to do that as well. Um, I'm sure. I was, yeah. 
Yeah. In addition to private and transferable, they're also portable. Uh, if you're moving around the country or around the world, we do these seminars all over the world. And um, we've never had any problems taking any of the coins into any of the countries we've been to. Um, your additional values with um, the collectible coins, as opposed to just the bullion coins, is you have your historic value, the legal tender value, numismatic value, collectible value. And if the coins you're investing in are precious metals, you also have that bullion uh, value as well. So you're, you're covered in a lot more avenues as to opposed in, to just investing in bullion. Okay. Now, how far back, I mean, coin collecting goes back a long way. How far back does it actually go? And and is it, it's a whole industry to itself. Am, am I correct? It's a huge industry. Yeah, it is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, you, you start looking at, you know, all the millions and millions of dollars. When we first got into this uh, with the CFA Institute a few years ago, we, we attended and uh, sponsored an event that they did. And um, they wrote an article in The Economist that was a big survey about how coins performed on the secondary market. And they, the article was um, spare change. And a penny had just sold for a million dollars, a million dollar wow. penny. So there's, there's just a, a, a very unique niche in uh, the alternative uh, investment world. Now, now, obviously, if, if someone who doesn't understand that world, and I'm, I was one of those until you and I chatted for a while, how, how, does, how, how does one reach out to someone who's knowledgeable like yourself? Is there, a, is there an association? Is there a, a group of organizations that, uh, like you, speak at different conferences? I mean, how, how does one get in touch with you, as an example, to, be, to, to look into that type of strategy? Well, I'm happy to help anybody that wants to improve and add value to their portfolio with collectibles. There's a, a, a you know, you can go on our website, you can call our toll-free number, um, you know, or they can get in touch with you and, and you can put, refer them to us. Work that way too, if you'd like, John, you know, whatever works best for you. Uh, I'm not here to plug the company. Um, you know, we, we try to earn the right. We don't want to just sell our customers coins. We want to earn the right to have them for a client. Um, you know, the way we do that is the old-fashioned way. Our mission statement is to help our clients improve and add value to their collections and portfolios at the very best prices possible. Uh, we don't have a ton of overhead. We're not like the big guys, but we get all the big guy coins because of the connections I've made within this industry in the last 25 plus years. Uh, we treat people the way we want to be treated. Uh, we answer our phones when you call in. We, you don't press one for customer service or or two for English, um, you know, we're here and we're accessible to our clients. People find you it pretty refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> we pick up everybody's call, John. I'd like to make you think you're special because you are, but everybody's everybody's special to us. I, I want to talk about that first purchase that I did with you, just to put things in perspective. You and I talked about that uh, 50-year anniversary coin of the moon landing. And you and I had a very interesting conversation for a couple hours, I guess, on why why that was a, a powerful coin that was created and only, I believe, 50 of them were made. And why don't you walk through kind of the concept of, 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 of how they position these coins from a marketing standpoint and the value, intrinsic value on holding that, that coin maybe for the future or, or, as you said, give it to one of your kids and, and it could be somewhere traded down the road to another buyer somewhere. Uh, is, is, so let's talk about that, that conversation I had about that coin. Okay. Uh, and, and we have this conversation at almost every event we go to. Uh, somebody says, you know, this sounds interesting. I, I'd, li I'd like to put away something uh, for the kids that uh, nobody knows I have. 
So you're going to jump into coins. It's not a good idea to jump into them. Uh, there are so much to learn about collectible coins. If you're investing in bullion, you always know what it's worth. Um, it goes up great. It goes down not so good. When you're ready to sell it, you call your broker and three days later you get a check. It doesn't work like that with collectible coins. We're fully disclosure company. And you know, with the advantages of investing in numismatics, there's also disadvantages. Number one, um, we, we, you don't just call your broker and sell your coins to uh, you know, a, a dealer. Um, we want you to hold the coins for three to five years. You give yourself a little bit of chance to, for the coins to appreciate in value. When you're ready to liquidate your portfolio, we're going to do it through an auction. You've got the dealer there, the investor there, the collector there. You're always going to realize your greatest profits by liquidating through the auction. So we know where all the auctions are around the country. It's about a nine-month process. We've got to catalog the coins, categorize yeah. them. And when you're ready to liquidate, uh, we put, photograph them just so we can put them in the auction catalog. And it's about nine months before you get your check. So it's a little bit of a drawn-out process, but it is a simple process. The keys that you're going to be looking for if you're going to invest in collectible coins is, number one, buy well-known collectibles. If you're buying coins that nobody has any interest in but you, they're never going to have any value to anybody but you. So you always want to go with well-known collectibles. The, um, the example I usually use is movie posters. A lot of people collect these vintage movie posters. Okay, if you have a, if you have a Star Wars uh, movie poster um, and you also have a mint condition How to Drive a Military Tank, which is a movie my dad was telling me about when he was in the army. Uh, obviously, it's going to be much easier to liquidate the Star Wars poster. So you want to always buy well-known collectibles. And then the number two thing you look for is quality. Um, buy the highest quality that you can afford. Now, coins are graded on a scale of 1 to 70. And a 1 is like the penny we put on the railroad tracks that the train ran over. And then 70 is absolutely flawless, the highest, finest example known. Now, older U.S. coins, pre-1933 U.S. gold coins, nothing ever graded in a 70. They didn't care what the coins looked like. They didn't have the technology of today. Uh, so the highest grade coin, there, there were a couple of specimens that reached the 69. Uh, but most of them are 65, 66 in the higher quality pieces. Today, with the technology they have and the innovativeness, um, about 70% of today's coins are going to grade out as perfect grade 70. So um, sometimes one grade point, John, we've talked about this, one grade point can mean the difference in tens of thousands of dollars. Um, for instance, in 1995, the United States Mint celebrated the 10th anniversary of the Silver Eagles, and they did a 10th anniversary Silver and Gold Eagle set. Um, that silver eagle coin in an MS60 and a perfect MS70 grade has sold for as much as $50,000. The MS69 grade, on the other hand, is about a $5,000 coin. So there's a huge discrepancy between the two grades. Um, in 1995, they didn't have the technology like they have today, so not as many perfect grade 70s exist. But there are a lot of the 69 grades. That, by the way, is the key coin in the Silver Eagle series. It continues to appreciate in value year after year. They're not making any more 1995 uh, W Silver 10th Anniversary Eagles. So that's a key coin that will continue to appreciate in value. Quick questions. You mentioned the technology now that is available as compared to those pre-1933 coins that you mentioned earlier. Do you foresee 
that technology almost working against the 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 quality from the standpoint of is it going to be easier now to have those higher grade coins and is that going to almost devalue them or are you sort of resetting the bar for lack of a better term you know that's a great question um and the answer is i think so um with today's technology and so many of the coins grading out by the independent grading services as a perfect grade 70, there are so many more of them that, you know, that the perfection is, is you know, the, the norm rather than, uh, uh, you know, the abnormality. 70%, and I see that increasing over the next few years. The technology continues to develop. They have so many new minting techniques now. Um, John, you just got the Mayflower set with that plateau minting technology. Uh, there's another new minting technology called smart minting, which makes three-dimensional coins that are absolutely spectacular. Um, a, a lot of new development has happened in the, in the uh, technology of the industry. Is that, is that caused excitement or is that, or is that caused concern in the industry? Excitement, yeah. There's yeah. always, you know, there's a lot of really new, exciting things. And all of a sudden, you get these three-dimensional coins, and and then you have a round coin that looks like a ball. It's a kilo ball, and then you have a square coin that's a cube, um, like the old building blocks we used to have when we were kids. There's a lot of really, really cool techniques uh, that are being brought to life in the coin world. All right. So, so if you're going to start as a collector, what would be the lack of better words, safer approach to buying a coin that that could have potential value on a hold uh, over that three to five year time frame? Is that something that you could, is there, are there books you could read or is, is there something, is there, are there magazines someone could pick up and say, I want to learn about this, this world? Is there something you uh, can help the audience with? There certainly is. Um, there's, there's the magazines, of course, the Coin World magazine comes out weekly. Um, you know, we, we talk about there's the three keys to the kingdom of, of collectibles. And the number one was well-known, the number two was quality, and then the number three was the changeovers. Uh, the first year of issue for a new design, the last year of an old design are very popular. Special anniversary issues, as I mentioned with that 10th anniversary Silver Eagle. If you can find a coin that's got one or two of those ingredients, it's usually a really good coin to, to put away for the future. If you find a coin that's got all of those ingredients and more, then we say it's a coin that we don't think you can miss with. And we scour the world trying to acquire the real scarce, unique items that you can't get at every coin dealer. Uh, we find the stuff that we think has got a great chance of improving and adding a ton of value to your portfolio. Uh, every year in January over in Berlin, they hold what they call the World Money Fair. And all the mints in the world get together, they set up their displays, and they show off all the new coin designs they're going to come out with in the coming year. And to give you an idea how elaborate this is, John, uh, you re might remember the story of uh, um, the, the Austrian mint. It looks like a chalet with the, you know, the log cabin and the metal roof, and the little Heidi girls are out front in their outfits handing out brochures, and you walk in the chalet to look at all their new coin designs. And right across from the Austrian mint is the Monet de Paris. And the Paris mint display looks like a two-story sidewalk cafe. And, of course, you can't get close to the place at 3 o'clock because the French start serving everybody wine and they're getting them drunk. But the, the place <laughs> is, a, is an absolute zoo. And, and it's just so interesting. And we always go to the World Money Fair to get a, a leg up on, the, on uh, the other suppliers to see, you know, what's new, what's coming out, what's going to be exciting. 
Yeah, I, I just I just also purchased from you those those ten dollar gold pieces. Talk about. I think they were. I can't remember the year they were, but t- talk about the older coins uh, of value. In other words, maybe around the 1930s or, or before that. Right. Well, in 1933, um, the United States went off the gold sa- standard, and everybody was supposed to turn in uh, all of their gold coins. And I remember seeing pictures of all the bars of gold that were melted uh, in Fort Knox. They melted those old gold coins down, and they turned them into bars and stored them in Fort Knox. But in uh, in, in uh, the early 1800s, um, the United States Mint opened up and they started striking gold coins. Um, the older coins from 1849, right after we discovered gold in California, up until 1907, nothing changed from one year to the next except the date. It had Lady Liberty's portrait on one side, the eagle on the reverse. Teddy Roosevelt came along. He became president. He thought the old coins were boring, and he wanted some new coins that would reflect our status as a superpower. He went over to the Mint with some suggestions, and they told him, go away, we're too busy. And Roosevelt, the Rough Rider, was was famous for speak softly and carry a big stick, so he went against the wishes of the U.S. Mint and gets a private sculptor by the name of Augustus St. Gaudens, and their mission was to create the most beautiful gold coin the world had ever seen. So they came out with some new designs. Um, All of those old U.S. gold coins are extremely... um, you know, extremely popular with collectors here in the United States and also with people that are just thinking about putting away a little bit of gold. Uh, they continue to appreciate, appreciate and increase in value year after year after year. Um, they don't have huge gains. Sometimes what you think is a rare coin, uh, for instance, if you have a 1907 $20 gold piece, um, it, it, it could be a rare coin today. But they keep finding these bags of old U.S. gold coins in European bank vaults because we used gold to pay our foreign debt in the 1900s. They didn't want our our paper money. They wanted gold. So they keep discovering these coins. And what was once a rarity might not be a rarity in the, you know, in somewhere down the road. So we don't handle a ton of, of old U.S. gold coins. We try to find the real scarce and the real unique items. Uh, that have a little bit better chance on the secondary market to, uh, you know, improve and add value to the portfolio. It's like getting a, I'm a baseball player. I still play in the old timers league. And, you know, we look at old U.S. gold as getting a base hit. You got to get a base hit. If you, if you don't get on, you can't get you can't score. So a base hit is good. But we like to hit a double, a triple, or a home run every once in a while. And you had mentioned it with the man on the moon coin. You know, we talk about special anniversaries. Well, you know, there are three events in my life that I know exactly where I was. I know where I was in 1963 when Kennedy was shot. Um, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, we're a hunting family, and uh, my mother was out watching TV, and she starts screaming, Oh, my God, oh, my God, he's been shot, he's been shot. Well, it was in the end of November. My dad was out deer hunting. I heard my mother in hysterics, and I thought, oh, no, dad's been shot. I come running into the living room, and and she's watching the TV, and what a tragedy it was, but I was sure glad it wasn't dad. Um, The next place I know was 911. (laughs) And and, uh, 911, you know, I know exactly where I was when I heard the towers had been, been, uh, uh, you know, flown into. I'll never forget it. I was on my way to work, and we thought it was a goofy plane off course, and then the second one, I know exactly where I was on, on September 11th. So both of those were tragic events. But I also know where I was in 1964 
um, when Apollo 11 took off. I was sitting in front of the TV watching a test pattern for an hour. They didn't have, you know, 24-hour TV back then. So I'm watching the test pattern, and everybody knows where they were when, when uh, we heard the eagle has landed. Um, and, of course, that was not a tragedy. That was a very historic event, and we just celebrated the 50th anniversary last year. Every mint in the world struck some type of a commemorative coin in honor of the 50th anniversary. But the most significant coin was a coin that was issued uh, um, from the Ascension Island. The Ascension Island is a volcanic island in, the, in between Africa and South America. Um, it's a very rugged, remote island, and it's significant because that's where NASA built their tracking station that tracked Apollo 11. And they issued a coin that was 50 ounces, 50th anniversary, 50 ounces of 0.999 pure silver. Um, they only minted 50 of them for worldwide distribution. And they, the design featured Neil Armstrong saluting the flag with the space module behind him. And in the background was Earth as it appears from the moon. But Earth, when you looked closer, was actually another coin. It was a, a one-tenth ounce gold coin with North and South America as the design, and it was set into the silver coin as the moon. It was, or as Earth, I mean, it looked really, really cool. Um, it was the only coin that NASA allowed to put the NASA logo on because it was from the Ascension Island. Uh, they only minted 50 of those pieces. They also did a 50-gram gold and a 50-gram platinum later that last year. So there were three coins in the set, silver, gold, and platinum. I think there were about $23,000 was the issue price on it. Uh, we have a client that just saw the, the ad in a, uh, or the press release in a magazine, um, and he wants to buy three of them, and he'll pay $30,000 a piece for them. So... Um, yeah, that's I, I hadn't mentioned that to you yet. We just got that call last week, John. Yeah, and when you when you look at this 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 side of the world from investing, I know inflation is always a conversation we have with our with our clients as it relates to um, assets that they buy that maybe prevents or fights inflation. How do you look at this side of the world from inflation um, against the markets? I mean, what does it correlate to, or, or does it correlate to anything at all? Boy, that's uh, that's a question I can't answer. I, I don't know if there is even a correlation. Um, you know, gold is always gold, and, and people love gold. It's always been a stable. You know, when the market started to dive when we went into the pandemic deal here, we had so many of our clients that were scrambling to stabilize their portfolios with hard assets. And let's face it, uh, coins are a hard asset, you know, whether they're gold or silver or platinum or palladium. You know, people love their coins. And uh, it's just a great way to put away in, for the future, in my opinion. Hey, Keith, one thing you mentioned, I'm glad you started to bring up some of these other metals, because uh, that was a question I was going to ask, is you've been talking a lot about gold coins, but can you elaborate a little bit on maybe some other, whether it's silver or platinum, or you even mentioned palladium, talk a little bit about maybe the diversity of collectible coins um, and how that maybe plays in if if somebody's willing to have I, I assume you would probably advise a client to maybe have a little bit of exposure into each one of these types of, of coins correct or is or does it not matter that is correct it does matter um, we look for the scarce and we look for the unique we look for the high quality we look for the special issues but we also look at the metal 
Um, very few mints have the technology to strike platinum or palladium. You know, gold and silver are, are, are pretty soft and they're very malleable. They flow and they form easily when you strike it into a coin. With palladium and with platinum, not so much. There are, are some tricks that the mints do. Um, it, it's an annealing process. It's a burnishing process. They do a lot of different things to try and get the platinum and the palladium to flow and form uh, nicely into a coin. But it, it's such a hard, hard material that they don't mint a lot of platinum or a lot of palladium coins. Your mintage numbers on some of the gold coins at the U.S. Mint, for instance, are, are in the millions. And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, even up to a million. But with the platinum coins, it's like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 is a very high mintage. Same with the palladium coins. The U.S. Mint recently just started uh, striking palladium. They took the old mercury dime design out of retirement and they started making palladium eagles. It's an absolutely stunning coin and um, the mintage numbers are low and you know, we've seen nice returns on those over the past couple of years as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Can you walk through maybe your favorite coin? Do you have a favorite coin? Oh, boy. That's a little open-ended. That's, that's pushing you, Keith. I know you and yeah. I have a bunch of conversations about Um. Yeah, I, I, I have a new favorite coin that I saw at the World Money Fair. Um, the South African Mint has a display that's that's – it's just incredible when you walk in there. It's, it's like 10 foot tall, and they have all their coins blown up on these video screens. And um, they're, they're doing a brand new series called the South African uh, Big Five. And it's got the Big Five game animals of South Africa. And they started with the lion. No, they started with the elephant, and then they did the lion. Um, and the lion coin, you know, there's just been something about the lion since we were kids. John, you remember Tarzan? <laughs> and. Uh, you know, we always would watch uh, Tarzan, and, and then uh, the Chronicles of Narnia came out, and Aslan is this extremely powerful lion, and somehow the South African Mint has captured that portrait on the front of this uh, one-ounce gold lion coin. And then on the reverse, I've never seen anything like it. The lion is looking into a, it's a reflection. You can see two halves of the lion's face as he's staring into the water hole, wow. and uh I believe it's a lock for one of the coin of the year awards. Every year they have the coin of the year awards for the best coins, just like they have the Academy Awards for the best, uh, for the best movies. And there's all kinds of different um, categories for the coin of the year awards. But we think this might be the most beautiful gold coin and the most innovative concept. It's a really spectacular coin. It's such a, like a hidden world. It's like, it I, know, I mean, it really, people don't understand you, that world you live in. I mean, that's, that's why I wanted to have you on a podcast, because I think when you think about investing, you think about, you know, whether you buy artwork or you buy stocks and bonds or you buy real estate, most people don't think about coins. And that's a, that's a huge, huge market that, again, and I was one of them. I didn't understand it um, uh, really, really well, but I knew it was an important part of the of, of a portfolio because we have a client um, that we work with that has a closet full of gold and silver bars that they, they bought years ago and they, they've been collecting metals for years and they just love collecting it but they're they're a little older they're they're like the depression babies but they have uh -huh. you know, a bunch of bars in the closet someplace i go what if there's a fire she goes oops <laughs> no, there's no oops in that you can't you have to put those little vaults because i don't want i don't people know that i have them it's you had that conversation though it's interesting yeah, that's right. 
one other question. See, you're, you're, you're getting my mind racing here, Keith. Um, did you mention the South African coin? And a lot of what you talked about earlier was a lot of the, the U.S. side. But I, I, for whatever reason, I never thought, I imagine this is international. Uh, I, every country or government at various times has made minted coins. How, how much does the international market play into what you do and maybe how a collector can, can look at coins from those vintages versus the U.S.? Well, the international market got huge when China could legally start owning silver and gold. Um, you know, the Cinderella story in the coin world is in 1994, the China Mint struck some one ounce gold um, uh, unicorns. It had the Eastern culture unicorn on one side, and then it had the Western culture unicorn on the reverse. They minted, I think it was, I'd have to look at my book to be sure, but I think it was about 999 were minted. We sold them for $1,000. Uh, when China could legally own silver and gold, they, they just blew up. They were a $15,000 coin. But the Cinderella story in the business was in addition to the one ounce gold, they also minted 20 kilo gold unicorns, 2.2 pounds. I placed I can't recall if I, I think I placed five of them in 1994. They were $34,900. Um, and uh, my, my, my favorite client uh, back in those days was uh, Mr. King down in uh, Fort Worth. And, and uh, uh, Mr. King, that's a lot of money for a kilo of gold, Keith, but I'll take one. So he took one, all right. And uh, during the peak of the market in China, that was a $750,000 coin. Uh, we're in the process of liquidating the King portfolio right now. Um, the prices have come down a little bit, uh, but we still think it's about a $400,000 coin when we bring it to auction. Uh, not a bad return on a, an investment like that, uh, $34,000 to $750,000. And, of course, that market fluctuates over there. Um, but, yeah, the international market pays a, plays a huge part in it. Um, and, you know, the Japan Mint is another one I can count on one hand and three fingers how many times I've been able to offer Japanese gold to our clients in the last 25 years. They have a very unusual distribution policy. Their mintage numbers are so low and the quality is so high. If you want to buy a coin from them, you have to fill out an application and then they have a lottery. When they struck the last gold of Emperor Akito, they minted 50,000 coins and took 400,000 applications. So, you know, you do the math. Not, not, not a lot of people were able to get the last gold of the emperor. It was a really cool coin. It's, it's like a My Panda Bear collection, right? That coin. You've got some pretty interesting pieces there, John. We could talk about that all day as well. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a fascinating world, and, and, I, and, I, and it's, it's, it's really something that people should look into if you want to have a legacy to the kids, you want to want to pass an heirloom, something that's going to be – yeah, hopefully valuable one day, but it's but it's always neat to look at these beautiful coins. And um, matter of fact, I showed Michael a coin collection a little while ago, and uh, he didn't realize I had it. Uh, but since he's my he's my trustee, and my trustee needs to know what I have. <laughs> yeah, I better know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, hey Keith, listen, I want to thank you for your time today. This this is a fascinating uh, side of the world, and I hope uh, um, the audience got. A, a, a little a smile on their face saying it's something I want to read about or learn more about. Um, and, and again, I wanted to thank you very much for your time. Today. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. Keith, uh, one more time, please let the audience know how they could contact you or your firm if they're interested in learning more information. Well, our toll-free number is 
342-5422. Our website is www.internationalcoinalliance.com. It's all run together. Or you can call my old buddy John and, and uh, he'll be able to direct you our way as well. There are other coin dealers as well. If, if somebody's interested, they can always check their lo- with their local dealers. You want to make sure you know who you're dealing with. Um, the Minnesota dealers, we are required. We're the, actually the only state that requires their coin and bullion dealers to be licensed and bonded. So um, that's, that's something you want to be careful with as well. Make sure you know who you're dealing with if you're dealing with a local client. Guys, this was a fantastic Thanks. podcast. I just, again, uh, I, I thought I was a, a kind of a coin geek, but I know nothing. Join <laughs> <laughs> the club. Though. Yeah, wow, wow. That's, uh, I mean, that, yeah, amazing stuff. Keith, again, thank you so much for your time today. It was fantastic. John and Michael, thank you so much for bringing them on the show. Always a pleasure. All right, thank you very much, fellas. Take care. We'll be in Keith. touch. You bet. And all, as always, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Incorporated, a member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of APFS and APA. Any opinions expressed in this forum are not the opinion or view of American Portfolios Financial Services, Incorporated, APFS, or American Portfolios Advisors, Incorporated, APA, and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.